You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Book AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the Long Island Bunker. You know, I often say to you that you need to take a break so that you do not have a breakdown. And with all of the compacted crises that we are dealing with at this time and making the march to midterms, there never seems like the right time to take a break. But I say that you have to make that time. And so for me, dear friends here on Woke AF, I am going to be taking a much needed vacation so that I can rest and recharge as we head into what I believe is going to be one of the craziest falls we've ever seen. I have left you with eight amazing episodes that we have recorded back in 2021 with some of the most thoughtful, engaging, and insightful commentary that looks at our politics, our spiritual nature, our emotional well-being, and a look inside, frankly, with some of the guests that we are bringing to all of you. These conversations have been heard by our amazing Patreon supporters who get video episodes every single day because of their belief and financial support of Woke AF throughout the years. And so I'm really excited to bring all of you across all the platforms that you listen to Woke AF Daily on these episodes and these interviews that I think will be enticing to all of you. They hit on all of the major topics that we consistently discuss here on Woke AF, from racism to gender inequality to police misconduct to wealth inequality, which my God, and the need and the need and the need utmost for spiritual connection and wellness practices that allow us to successfully maneuver all of the things that have been thrown at us over the past couple of years. And so 
Friends, while I will be out from the show, I will not be out of sight for the next several days. And so you can continue to follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at D2Cents, D-E-E-T-W-O-C-E-N-T-S. Of course, I will be dropping in with my two cents. And you can check me out on TikTok, where I'm sure certain that I will drop a few videos in the next couple of days. And there you can find me at Danielle Moody underscore. I hope that you all enjoy these next fantastic episodes that we have. Do drop your thoughts in the comments section. Do hit me up in the socials. Just don't draw my attention to anything that is terrible because I'm taking a break from the news. But dear friends, I really do hope that you enjoy these next eight episodes and I will see you with brand new episodes after Labor Day. It's no secret that the news is horse pill hard to swallow. Thankfully, there's the Bituation Room podcast hosted by comedian and commentator Francesca Friorentini for a lighter take on the heavy stuff. Each week, the Bituation Room brings you progressive comedians, experts, and activists to break down the issues in a way that won't just leave you crying under a weighted blanket. Get the Bituation Room on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and streaming on YouTube and Twitch. Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ricci is one of the latest shows on the TYT network and also the fastest growing news show in America. On his show, Dr. Ricci plays no games regarding policy, delivering a heavy dose of fact-based truth and penetrating analysis on all the top news stories focusing on racism, criminal and social justice, politics, police brutality, Karens, and much more. Listeners can also expect interviews with fascinating guests, political leaders, commentators, and even fiery debates with conservatives on a wide range of policy topics in the bullpen. It is an indisputable fact that you will love this show. Listen to Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ricci on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. Folks, I am so excited to welcome to Woke AF, I believe for the first time, friend Philip Atiba Goff, who is the CEO of Policing Equity. Philip, you must be busy. I mean, because police in America are clearly, clearly out of goddamn control. I don't know how many more mornings we need to wake up to another shooting of another unarmed black person or person of color. I don't know how many more headlines we need. It's like we are interrupting the Derek Chauvin trial then to interrupt it to tell us about Dante Wright, to then interrupt it to tell us about Adam Toledo, to then interrupt it to tell us what. How are you feeling right now about what is unfolding in America? I think I'm feeling what most folks are feeling or many folks are feeling. I'm feeling tired, right? Like it's just, it's exhausting. Um, I know that when um, the Adam uh, Toledo uh, video came out, uh, the first version I saw, I saw the unedited version. Um, I, I, I was done. I had, I had to, to shut it down for a little bit. Um, Cause it, it's, it's just exhausting. It doesn't matter how hard you work right now. There's no way to stop the next one. You're hoping mm-hmm. to stop one like, 20 or 30 or 40 killings down the road. 
just turn turn down the spigot a little bit so it's less. And it's when you're seeing the full volume of it, as we've been seeing for the last couple of days, it's a hard thing to get up to, to be like, I'm going to make a dent on this. And yet that's the thing you got to do, because if you're not making a dent, then it won't change at all. I have been questioning myself, as my listeners know, over the past year, the past several months about whether or not anything that I do matters, right? Like the whole point of Woke AF is to provide a platform and a space for us to have more than sound bites, for us to have real conversations about the issues that are affecting our everyday lives. And it just seems that every day I pick up the microphone, I have more bad news to report. And so what does it feel like for you? You work with police. You work with police departments across this country. What is the problem, Philip? Like, what is the problem? Where is the problem? Because if I hear one more time that there are just a few bad apples, when I'm like, how many bad apples spoils the entire goddamn orchard? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, what? Like, it's not an apple. It's not a tree. It's the entire orchard is rotten. How are you maintaining your hope around reform? So the, the word reform has a, has a tricky meaning right now in that it's contrasted oftentimes and rightly um, uh, oftentimes to abolition. The mm-hmm. idea is reform is about changing the stuff that we have. And the stuff that we have, part of the reason why it's so frustrating is because it's doing exactly what it was supposed to be doing. Right. Like it's not that it's it needs some tweaks and it's dented and it's bruised. And so we just need to refurbish policing. It's like, no, no, no. These killings have been part of the mission. Mm -hmm. So that's not the goal. To be clear, that was never the goal. The goal was harm reduction until we can open up the prospect of ridding ourselves of the addiction to punishment that we've got. So we've, mm. been, we've, we've had in our, in our mind a medical model since jump, right? This country is addicted to punishment as the way out of difficult social problems. It's in part because we are, are sort of genetically predisposed as a country to lie about our history. Mm. Right? That's why we're having, that's why we had fights about the Confederacy immediately after the uprisings in George Floyd, right? Those things don't automatically make sense next to each other unless you understand it's the lies about our history that make our present possible. So a year ago, year and a half ago, we could push and push and push and say, you understand it's way worse than the couple of videos that you saw, right? There are cities across this country that used to have, and I pray to God that they don't do it anymore, but they used to have a policy where law enforcement could conduct field cavity searches. What? Field. In outside. Cavity searches. Now, if you and I were to perform a field cavity search, that's just sexual assault. And yet law enforcement, under cover of law, they'd be like, well, I searched you and I somehow know you have drugs. I somehow know you might have a weapon. So it can get way worse. We haven't talked about what happens wow. undercover. It, we haven't talked about what happens when we do investigations of sex trafficking. There's not video of that to talk about the places where women are particularly, where trans folks are particularly vulnerable to the abuses of the state. We haven't begun to get at it. Today, there is news of a city asking to void 400 convictions. 400 convictions, not charges, convictions, because one officer lied over the course of three years. 
400 lives that at the very least have fines they have to pay, but most of them are in cages as a result of one officer lie. We haven't begun to scratch the surface. And the thing that I want people who are really pissed off about policing to understand is it's not just the police. The conversation about defund the police happens after defund mental health, which wasn't so much a a popular movement. After defund education, defund jobs programs, defund hospitals, defund green spaces, defund, you know, urban renewal in not the the gentrification sense, in the sense of don't let the houses drop down and fall down on the babies. We've defunded absolutely everything in these communities. So the only public resource we have left is the police. And the logic has been, well, we have to because look at the crime as opposed to look what we did to create the crime happen. Philip, because that is my thing. Like you have said everything that I have been questioning, right? Which is we've created these problems, right? And I continue to say that our criminal justice system, poverty, all of these things are functioning the way that they were meant to function, right? The idea behind all of this was that we defund every public good, every social service, and so that we can turn this prison industrial complex into the moneymaker that it is for those folks that are like, because when your incentive is to increase prisons so that you can increase profit, That's the trickle down. That's the only trickle down that we've ever felt in this country. Right. And so it's like if you know what the problem is, how do you create the will in order to fix the problem? So for for better or for worse, I want to offer a a friendly amendment on the profit motive, because Mm -hmm. right now we're we're talking about um, a little bit about fines and fees. I think that the story of Ferguson is not fully told, and that's to our detriment, because when the federal government came in and said, y'all are using fines and fees to tax poor black people, Ferguson literally said, well, if we can't use racist fines and fees, how can we fund the, the city? Like, right. We'd go bankrupt if we didn't have racism. So we need to be talking about the that, that was literally their response. Well, we'd go bankrupt if we couldn't tax poor black people. But private prisons and the profit motive within policing is a smaller portion then is easy to comprehend. The bigger gain is we just want to throw these people away. Mm -hmm. That whiteness says this set of problems is just, it's too, uh, it's icky. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And so when it's in folks' faces, you'll see a little bit of movement, but the movement isn't to solve the problem. The movement is to make that discomfort go away. Mm Mm-hmm. And so what we're getting right now is electeds and corporations. Like I loved all the corporate uh, speak this summer. We're like, we stand with black lives. We're going to fund voter suppression in Georgia, but we stand with black lives. It's not to solve the problem. It's to get rid of the discomfort. Mm. The way you move it forward is you don't let them. So all the folks who are out here saying, well, you know, defund is radical or we don't want to, you know, we're pushing too hard. That's too, that's too out there. I need those folks to sit down. Because two out there is what opened the window for what's possible right now. Now, the the folks who come in who know how to actually make moves and get stuff done to to make these these moments of passion into real sustainable policy, they need to have access to. It's going to take a lot of hands. But the don't rage so hard crowd, they need to have a seat 
But the don't rage so hard crowd, they do have a seat, Philip. They have a seat in Congress. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like they do have a seat. They sit and write in Congress telling us all of the things that they can't get done, all of the things that they can't work on because it's too big, because it's too hard, all of the things that you're saying. So if the people that we need to stand up are actually sitting down in Congress, not doing a goddamn thing while we have extrajudicial killings every single goddamn day in this country, then where do we go. No, it's fair because they don't just sit in Congress. They also sit in boardrooms, you know, in, yep. in corporate decision making positions, yep. no, a thousand percent. And they sit so they sit at the decision making in nonprofits yep. and, and philanthropy as well. A thousand percent. What I mean is they need to have a seat facing the wall like they fit that they can sit. In the <laughs> yes. With the dunce hat on. Yes. But, yes. I, but I will say, yes. say that in all of that frustration, thousands of municipalities around the country are actually doing something different. And it's hard for for journalists to get together and wrap their minds mm-hmm. around it because it does look super different. So you saw for a, a little while um, a, a lot of stuff on replacing law enforcement with mental health. That's still going great. That's still a good story and there's still momentum. You're now seeing a couple stories come out about um, reducing low-level traffic enforcement so that Dante Wright didn't have to die. That's also going on. But there are thousands of experiments happening across the country in municipalities. There's one in particular that it, that it brought me to tears in the good way for like the first time in months. What's going on in Ithaca and Tompkins County mm-hmm. is possibly breathtaking and a model for how we go about doing this. So in Ithaca, they came, they came to the Center for Policing Equity and to community folks. They said, we need to do something radically different and we can. We're doing okay right now. And if, so if we can't make it happen, who can't? And what they did, they went through a nine-month process. They got the high school students involved, writing senior theses on this. They got the local, I mean, it's not just Cornell, but Ithaca College. They got the, the college kids involved. They had the janitors involved. They had folks who were formerly incarcerated involved. And on the other end of that process, they gave to Governor Cuomo, because the New York State, everybody has to have a plan for public safety. They gave them a plan that dismantles their police department and puts in its place a department of community solutions and public safety that is majority unarmed, civilian-led, no armed response to non-violent calls for for crisis, and standing up uh, social services so that communities can keep themselves uh, safe instead of calling out for it. There is no more police department at the end of this process. There is a department of community solutions and public safety led by civilians, staffed majority unarmed that will go to 96% of the calls for service in Ithaca and Tompkins County. Wow. Good news. And we got to protect those things. Because I understand Ithaca is not the the center of black trauma, right? Right. A couple of black kids who went to Cornell and, you know, like I I can't help. (laughs) Right, right. But it can be a model for how we set it up. Because once you see it can be done, then you start removing the excuses for not doing it. So then talk to me, but here come the excuses, right? Which is, you know, can we do that in New York City? Can we do that in Minneapolis? Can we do that in these places where we're seeing the cops literally run rampant, right? Like run roughshod, like there's some type of mob. Can we do it in places that do have violent crime? So I get that question and it's Mm -hmm. harder to do it the larger it goes, but there's no, like it's the same basic budget process. It's just larger. Right. You have worse union issues, but they're just bigger. And that means there's more people who can stand up and say, no, we insist. And remember, in Minneapolis, it might be hard, but in Brooklyn Center, it's not. Mm. In St. Louis, it might be hard, but in Ferguson, it's not. 
Mm -hmm. A lot of these killings are happening in the the, the suburbs of surrounding. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. And they have much smaller departments, right? 18,000 18, law enforcement agencies in the United States, 75% of them have 25 or fewer officers. And there's a thousand that are just one dude. Those can, can, can be transformed and or removed overnight. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to switch gears a little bit to talk about what happens to officers that are charged. And as we're watching the Derek Chauvin trial unfold, and we know that Kim Potter has been charged with second-degree manslaughter in the what I will refer to as the murder of Dante Wright, tell us why it is so goddamn difficult for us to convict officers. Tell us why we need 87 videos with every single vantage point possible, and we still don't know with certainty that an officer will be charged with the crimes that they commit. If your boss tells you to write them a memo and you write them a memo and give it to them, how likely are you to get fired for that? Like, not at all. Because you did what the boss told you to do. Yeah. That's the answer to this. The boss, the folks in charge of law enforcement, are largely happy with what law enforcement's been doing. So they oftentimes don't want to see how the sausage gets made. They don't want to see the literal, but you had to actually kill him and his, his hands were up. Oh, that, and he was 13? That, that feels icky. Let's do something so I don't have to feel icky. But the idea of keeping whiteness safe from black and brown people and for the set of terrible options we've given to folks who experience concentrated disadvantage, that's what they were supposed to do. So they show up with the advantage of, of faith and trust from communities that like what the outcome has been. So on one level, there's a very simple answer for why we don't get convictions. It's because the system is working as it's supposed to. It won't convict someone of something that it wants people to do. And where are we with qualified immunity, right? Where, where are we with being able to at least get to some type of level playing ground where you don't have this get out of jail free card? Yeah. So on qualified immunity, there are, are states that are making changes. They're saying they're abolishing it. That's not quite right. What they're doing is they're changing the, the, the standard for it, um, which should be useful on state cases and can be useful on local cases, but we're, we're not close from any of the states as examples. The Justice for um, Justice and Policing, George Floyd Act um, would end in its current uh, iteration, would end qualified immunity. And I think that has a shot of making it through the Senate. So in that case, we would be, in fact, repealing the, the precedent and saying, no, you cannot use it this way. But qualified immunity might, might make a difference in about a quarter of the cases that come forward where there's charging. So even those things that are, that are sort of easy villains in this fight, mm -hmm. the real villain here is the way we use police. So mm -hmm. if in most, most cities, 96% of what police do has nothing to do with violence. Do you think we could figure out a way to spend less and get less armed response for that? 96% of behavior? So I'd be happy to leave qualified immunity in place if police had 96% less contact with folks, 
right? Like, like if, if, if all I'm trying to do is reduce the number of bodies going to the morgue as a result of contact with the state, that seems like the bigger lever to pull is to pull police out of the places where, by the way, for the last quarter century, they've been saying, we can't do this. You give us too much. We can't do mental health and substance abuse and homelessness and child welfare. Why do you give all that to us? Right. So they want to get out of the business. They just want to do it without losing their budgets. Right. So I'm happy to partner right. with law enforcement to get them out of the places they always wanted to get, get out of. And in many cities, by the way, we should be standing up those systems before we're disinvesting. So we can we can invest before we divest in some places, but it's got to be push pull because we have fed this beast so much that if they were the military, U.S. law enforcement would be the third largest military in the world after our military and then China's military. That's too much. Which is obscene when you look at the lack of money we put into, let's say, education. Right. Like you judge a country by where they put the most of their resources. And like you said at the beginning, America is addicted. Right. To locking people up. And it's no wonder to me. I mean, we would rather in America send children to school with bulletproof backpacks, arm teachers, than do something substantive on gun reform. We'd rather, you know, have a Dante write a week or a day then admit to the fact that our policing system is absolutely atrocious. And if it didn't have a badge, would be considered the KKK in terms of the number of black people that they murder on a regular basis. I just, you know, what expectations do you have of this current administration to be able to move the ball forward with this systemic problem that we have? It will really depend to me on who they get through Senate confirmation. The Senate confirmed nominees right now are a fantastic slate of folks that are way bolder in terms of their vision for what can be done uh, than this president campaigned on. So we get Kristen Clark and we get Vanita Gupta and we get Ann Milgram as head of DEA. That's good for the set of things I care about. Benita Gupta was the best thing that had happened to the civil rights division in at least a generation. And for her to come up and then have Kristen Clark take that over as Senate confirmed, I mean, it's not just history setting. It sets a table for removal of qualified immunity, for really ramping up what investigations look like as civil rights, for expanding how civil rights investigations of law enforcement actually go into the full municipality. Right. Because before the Ferguson report, no one was talking about how cities generate revenue. So how much more can yep. this group of folks who are really credentialed and have, have some experience, how much more could they do? And also, I want us to be thinking about what are we going to make them do? Because mm-hmm. under Obama, what we did was we said there's a black dude there. Right. Plays basketball. We like his March Madness. His wife is, is wonderful. His kids are, are, are wonderful. Let's not embarrass him. Let's not put them in bad spots. And so we didn't push. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that that's what I thought. I'm not saying that's what everybody thought. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. But that, I mean, but that's right. But that's right. There's no reason not to push Uncle Joe. There's just mm-hmm. not. Um, and so I want to say, what are we going to insist on? And I hope we insist on the recognition nationwide that we have a system that punishes people for the choices they make in a context where we have given them only terrible options. 
Mm-hmm. So we should be giving them better options before we even talk about how we want to ratchet up punishment. Last question for you, Philip, is this. Do you feel like we need to change our messaging around defund the police, around abolish the police? Do you think that the messaging is off or do you think that it's right where it needs to be? So this conversation around messaging, I actually think is super duper important because it, there's a lot of assumptions that have gone into it when we've had it in public. So f- members of, of what I'll call a democratic establishment have said, well, we can't be making this defund demand. That's ridiculous. It's killing us electorally. Be like, you were not the ones making it. It wasn't for you. <laughs> it was activating folks who were outraged and felt like, what on earth can I do? Like you and I were saying and feeling at the very beginning of this conversation. Mm-hmm. And those folks are like, you know what? Yeah, I'm not up for reform. I'm up for just getting rid of this because it's yep. literally killing us. Yep. So if folks want to have different messaging, feel free to develop some. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. It's like, so we, all of us, we're not messaging the same thing. So I mm-hmm. hear abolitionists talking about, I want to talk about refund, not defund, refund to the community. I hear abolitionists saying that, Ooh. right? That feels good to me. But you know what? Defund is still working in places. And I also, and, and I know you said last question. I'm going to try not to be too professional <laughs> on the way out. But come on now. But my, my deal is we think of abolition right now like it's, some brand, it's something brand new. OK. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm, and then some mm-hmm. folks are like, oh, Miriam Cobb has been around for a little while. Yes, she has. And she's been doing it. And then some people are like, well, Angela Davis has been around for a little while. OK, OK, OK. But Angela Davis, when she is summarizing a great portion of her life's work in 2005, writes a book called Abolition Democracy. She mm-hmm. is quoting from W.E.B. Du Bois writing in 1935 about black reconstruction. This thing goes back to the point of emancipation Mm. when we have black geniuses talking about not just the destruction of the systems that kill us, but the proactive, affirmative construction of systems that will keep us safe and that will rid the body politic of the toxins of historical legacies of racism. Abolition is not just about getting rid of something. It's about standing up something that's better than what we've had. And when we have a more historically literate appreciation for what that word means, I think it stops being so scary and starts being a bit inevitable. You know, you're you're so right on so many things. What makes me discouraged, though, is that we're a nation that is illiterate about our own history, about our own lives, about the lives of our neighbors. We are purposefully ignorant. And so for every issue that we have, there is a re-education that needs to happen because the way that we have been educated is through the lie. I keep saying that the big lie wasn't just about election fraud. The big lie has been what we've been teaching in public schools since the beginning of time, right? And so it's just like, you know, you make sense. If you were to take things into historical context and actually understand the context of the words that we are using. But my fear for America is that we continually show our ass and are celebratory around just how ignorant we are. And so if that be the case, Philip, it's like, do we ever see the needle move? Right. If we're in a constant state of having to go back and reeducate folks and bring them up to where they should be. Are we ever moving forward if I got to keep looking back? Yeah, I understand the frustration 
And so let's say there's two options. There's a yes and there's a no. If the answer is no, then what are we doing? Mm. Just give up. Right. Sell out. I, I should I should become um, uh, a black person who says that black people just need to pull their pants up and that will get all, all the, the shooting stuff because there's money in that for sure. A hundred percent. You could be rich on Fox News. Go ahead. <laughs> if you didn't care about a conscience or <laughs> yeah, like if I didn't have a soul, I could just do that. Um, and so <laughs> I answer yes, both because I see change happening and I watch the genius of communities coming together and saying we will demand better. We will insist on more. And because that is the only option that makes living the way that I'm trying to live make sense, living with any kind of hope, looking at babies and saying, not just I'm sorry for what we're giving you, but I think you can make this place better. Literally looking at my God kids and saying that, that it's required for me to believe it can be and to work so that that's true. Yeah, I believe that optimism in the face of reality is a revolutionary act. And I try and be a little Mm. bit of a revolutionary every day. Right. Um, so I'm not trying to sugarcoat stuff, but if we're talking about, is it possible? Slavery wasn't ended till it was right. Voting rights weren't secured till they were. Now they're not. We're going to do it again. Right. All the things that weren't possible. You think about it. The moon was just something up in the sky for a long time throughout all of human history. And then a, a small group of folks got a yep. bunch of resources and the will of the people to say, let's go. And now that's a thing that probably in the next 20 years, you can buy a ticket to. You can Mm. buy a ticket to the moon. This thing that doesn't have oxygen, doesn't exist within our earth. The things that humanity can do when we decide it is required are amazing. We dream about technology and we dream about power. But when do we dream about a better society? What does democracy look like? 20, 30, 40, 100 500 years from now, how have we set ourselves up to be better? When we start dreaming about freedom, not just for ourselves, but as the the root construct of what we're going to gift to the next generation, I imagine that we can take ourselves to the moon, to Mars, to to solar systems we can't even see with with the naked eye in terms of how we keep ourselves safe. I know that's possible because humanity does the impossible all the goddamn time. It's just we've done it for the wrong reasons and for the wrong set of people. Philip Goff, you know, you continue to do the good work, preach the good message, because folks like me and my listeners here at Woke AF, we need all of the hopefulness and the faith that we can muster because the times are pressing and they are pressing us into the ground. But you are right. We are nothing if but dreamers. And so we have seen dreams turn into action. And that is where we should be putting our focus and our energies. Thank you so much for joining Woke AF. Appreciate you. I appreciate you. Stay safe. As always, dear friends, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. See you after Labor Day. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. 
Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.